With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast, the podcast that's trying to create a, a realistic, down-to-earth show that's completely off the wall and swarming with magic robots. I'm Graham Thillis, and I'm here to provide a modicum of calm between two men scared stiff by the ongoing juggernaut of Motherwell FC. <laughs> First, we have a, a dresser snapper than a terrapin and a bear trap. Hello, Craig Kills. <coughs> Hello, I've got a really tickly cough. I don't know. <laughs> As soon as I hit record, I just felt this itch in my throat, and I had to wait for you to introduce me to, to get it out. And also, I reject. I've been accepting that title for a while now, and I, I, I'm not the snappiest dresser on the Terrace Podcast. Second on my list, but by no means second in our hearts. Hello, Tom. What? Hi. <laughs> I don't have anything better to say. Uh, before we get started with the weekend's action, how about we have a quick look at what's hot and what's not? Does somebody want to start? It's very negative. There's a great negativity around. Does somebody want to start us with a hottie, or will I start us with a hottie? Well, my hot's a little bit negative. Do you want me to go, <laughs> yeah, go for it, go for it. Cool hot. Uh, suggesting a player should be called up to the Scotland squad after 10 good minutes against St Johnston. That's, yep. that's quite yep. hot at the moment. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Lyndon Dykes seems to be the most recent one. His was against Celtic, I suppose, and not against St Johnston, but everybody's clamouring for Lyndon Dykes to be in the Scotland squad now after uh, after a good performance. Now, he's had a, he's had a good season so far, and <coughs> like I pointed out the last time I was on the pod, I think they would have beaten Aberdeen if he was playing. If he and Lithgow had been playing, I think Livingston would have won that game. Um, but still, are we not stretching it a bit far to say that... I mean, Lyndon Dykes isn't going to solve Scotland's we, we striking up, We called up Lauren Shankland, so that's... Yeah, fine. Our quota is full. Yeah. Uh, my, one of my hotties is uh, weird crowd shots. Uh, we had Stephen Ferguson and Stuart Kettlewell admiring what appeared to be a wonderful wooden schooner. Was this during the game? <laughs> 
I've no idea. I, I I have no context for it whatsoever. But just the two of them admiring a boat, like an actual wooden sails rigging boat. Uh, and Pikachu was at Inverness versus United. Um, yeah. I've looked at the SPFL Instagram page. You will find Pikachu at Inverness versus United. So I would thoroughly encourage more of this. It's like you get it at Christmas from time to time where people all dress up and you pan around the crowd and it's normal, normal, oh, the final normal. Way day. Final yeah, way day it's season. like normal, normal, like totally normal day. And then there's a giant Superman or something. It's just more of that I'm absolutely fine with. There was a similar shot for the recently. Was it? Celtic Park for the recently where someone was just toasting with a bottle of Buckfast. <laughs> and I, the camera panned across and just kind of casually yeah. like, blink and you'll miss it. In addition, you had the guy at Dundee United carry a cool box <laughs> as well, which led to a great thread Boom. from, Craig, from Craig Anderson where a guy was saying that there's a guy that turns up at East End Park with like a, a full multi-pack of Capri Sun because he refused to pay like £2 for it. I remember seeing somebody not getting getting told at the turnstile at Tynecastle years ago that they weren't allowed to take their chippy in because it was a container. How is this guy getting in with a whole cooler? I was on... This is a highlight to, to my old life, really. Um, but I was in Edinburgh and I went to Lippy Pinto's beforehand and bought like some hot sauce, some pinto beans and various other things. And then went to the football and the boys like, going to see in your bag? And I was like, ah, I see a problem that's going to arise here. And he's looking at the bottles and the cans and he's like, I don't think I can let you in. And I was like, right. How about if someone throws a bottle of hot sauce, <laughs> you just come and lift me? And he's like, <laughs> take a picture of me right now. Well, yeah, I was like, if somebody throws a bottle of hot sauce at Wanma, then you can come and lift me, even if it's not me, right? I'll write my name on yeah, this. This is fine. If I throw a bottle of hot sauce or some beans at Juanma, you can come and lift me. That seems like a reasonable. Like, and he sort of looked at me and was like, "I suppose. I mean, that does. I mean, that's fair enough. That's absolutely fine." Um, I've got I mean again it's kind of a negative positive the international break just coming in along and a, a free hit against Russia which will who cares about and a game against San Marino that even Scotland can fail to mess up surely 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 um, just to kind of I mean we were just saying just before we start only 33% of people around the table are remotely satisfied with the way that their club is <laughs> performing at the moment and I'm not one of them and I can't really be bothered watching them at the moment so a couple of it's weeks just something off. that's not that yeah it's, it is a real positive see I, I I bring this up quite a bit and I think that <coughs> I'm not in a majority on the podcast when I when I say it um, but I actually quite like international breaks because I see them as a little bit of a of a break I don't need to follow dozens of matches I can just get away with uh, watching just half, enjoy the games half an eye on a Scotland game that I'm not really that enthused by because I really, I really like Tom's for, enthusiasm of enjoying a Scotland game which is well there's levels of enjoyment if not, not enjoyment involved exactly banging them in against San Marino and justifying an inclusion in a game that actually matters in which case it's a terrible ending. I have a fully positive hottie as well which is this is a bit of a throwback to something that I brought up quite a while ago now but there's an Aberdonian Big Dons fan, Ross Andrew, who played an international game for the British Virgin Islands. So he played, they played Bonaire. They lost 2-1, but he won a penalty. He is 31 years old, has only ever play, played five-a-side football, but has been in the Virgin Islands for over five years. So he turned up at some trials and they selected him. He got his first start against Bonaire last month. I meant to bring it up at the time, but kept forgetting. Again, they lost 4-2 to Bonaire. There are three in the what was it, the CONCACAF Nations League. They are somehow playing another three games in a week, 
which for a squad which features a guy who's 31 years old who turned up because he played he played some fives and then did a trial and gets to play international football three games in a week seems like a stretch <laughs> but they're playing the Bahamas twice plus the grudge match return against Bonaire as well so uh, Ross Andrew who is apparently registered as Andrew Ross for reasons that no one's quite clear on Don's fan from Aberdeen who's playing international football somehow. So yeah, a really positive thing, just because he was hanging at the British Virgin Islands for long enough. Can he do it in a warm Wednesday afternoon in the Bahamas? If he can't, <laughs> if he can't do it there, then maybe he can do it in a, in a Category 3 hurricane. One way or the other, you're going to get one or the other. So it's, it really, to me, this is the, the absolute dream scenario, where you end up taking a job somewhere in a bit of the world where the residency rules are a bit lax, and you get to tell people that you played international yeah, football, yeah. because you hung out for a bit, played a bit of fives, and then presumably just turned up at some trials and got a game. Yeah, one of my mates has always had this idea that if somehow he can somehow manage it while his uh, wife's pregnant to go to San Marino and get have a child born there, dramatically increases the chances <laughs> of international football. I'm not sure that works anymore in the post-Brexit wasteland. The worst international yeah. football team on the planet, though, aren't Well, they? you know, still, you've got to take still, your pick. It's maybe still, the worst, but they have the worst, I don't know, the worst in the rankings or something like that. They've... Uh, but he's got 20-odd years for them to produce another good player for him to play alongside. So, yeah, well, it's a long game. Do we have any more? Uh, I have a, a, a hottie that became a naughty, and that was the uh, the Ross County Stadium announcer at the weekend. Did the thing where you um, <clears throat> you read out a number plate, let's say, like, your car, and then he said, could you please return to your car because you're... I'm sure it sounded like... I listened to it a few times and I couldn't quite exactly hear what he was saying, but it sounded like he said, your journal's getting wet because your windows are down. <laughs> and then later on, he went... Yeah, I mean, that's why I kept reminding it because I thought he can't be just picking out the journal. But anyway, something was getting wet in his car because he'd left his windows down. And then later his on... <laughs> and then later on... Um, when Ross County equalised, he did the U2, U2B, and then the crowd did the rest of it, and I didn't like that, so I, I decided that wasn't hot. That seems entirely fair enough. Uh, my only other naughty was just complaining about Craig Levine. I'm very tired of this whole timeline of people at length continually getting very, very upset about Craig Levine and jumping up and down about Craig Levine. I just don't care anymore. Are you just going to skip me later on? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. You can, you're more than welcome to, but I, I just really tired of it. I find the whole thing really, really tired. So How do you be, think we fucking feel? Well, also that as well. I realise I'm playing into it by bringing it up again, but yeah, I find it the whole thing very, very tiresome. Anyway, we'll start off the weekend with the most intriguing battle we've had for years, as Motherwell continue their good form of beating teams that they should probably beat to consolidate third place. <laughs> with goals from James Scott and a late clincher from Chris Long as they defeated St Mirren 2-0. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed my Saturday afternoon, <laughs> so we'll just get this out of the way quickly and then we'll talk about it. Um, Liam Polworth is an absolute baller, as it turns out. Um, I had in my head for years that somebody else was highlighting this, I think somebody mentioned it in Pie and Bovril, but it's very much, to me, Highland footballers are Ross Tokley, and that's what a Highland footballer looks like. And now a Highland footballer is... Liam Polworth, who's an absolute ball, and he, I, I can't emphasize, just, he was so, so good. He was... Ryan Christie, mate. Well, exactly. Ryan Christie and Liam Polworth. Apparently, the Highland Football Academies are just turning out incredible footballers now, which is odd. Possibly a bit surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he's... It, it's, it's weird that he's only 24. Yeah, because he feels, he's, he feels he's, like he's been, he's around, been around for a really long time. And 
he probably stayed at Cali a year longer than he should. I mean, he had his, his issues last year and kind of fell out of the section of the support. Yeah, like, he was... Rightly so, because he was kind of singled out as... He was singled out when they weren't doing very well as a team. He missed a penalty yeah. against Ayr, I think, in a yeah. 0-0 draw. Yeah. And then I think, I think I remember him taking to Twitter because um, some people were aiming abuse at his family or something like that and he kind of said like say what you want about me but I kind of draw the line at people I mean, talking about my family but it seemed a bit unfair that even he was being singled out in that team at that time is I he not, is he not, did he not average like an assist a game last yeah, season for pretty the much yeah. I think he, he's got something like 30 odd assists in the last two seasons for, for Cali um, and and you know was 22 23 years old local boy it's all, all the things that you should really rally around but they, they, they didn't and it was particularly in the middle of the run where um Kelly just kept drawing games. For some reason, he was singled out as the one of the worst culprits in it, which wasn't fair at all. Um, really good footballer, wasn't really suited to... I mean, even though he got a lot of assists, probably wasn't suited to some of the more physical side of, of football in the, in, in the championship. And definitely, I think, stayed on a season too long. He just looks so much more confident. Like he's taking touches, he's playing passes, he's getting on the end of things, um, and he's just he's just slipped in there seamlessly as well. I mean, Motherwell last season, obviously David Turnbull burst on the scene, and he's been the guy who's come in. You now I know that when Turnbull's back, uh, they're all there kind of providing competition for each other, but at the moment he's come in to be the guy to like fill the gap for while uh, Turnbull's injured, and. He's done so well at it because obviously uh, Turnbull was one of the, the standout performers for uh, for quite a lot of last season and to, and to come in and just fit in so seamlessly uh, hit the ground running and not take any time to kind of get up to speed it's been it's quite impressive. What was what was most impressive on on Saturday aside from the fact that he was not just doing the things that you imagine he would do in terms of playing nice passes and keeping the ball moving he was very very good at getting his ball across getting getting his body across players he was doing all the hard working things that you want out of a midfielder as well particularly when you take a trio of Liam's down to two and because Liam Donnelly was out so he was absolutely terrific in there but he was the best example of the team on Saturday and it was broadly from back to front we were just so patient on the ball there was no St Mirren came and set up and were as you imagine, St Mirren have been over the past few games, very defensively resolute, and it looked like it was going to be a frustrating afternoon. But Motherwell were just so patient throughout the game. There was no attempt to force passes. There was no attempt to try things that were too complicated. It was just a case of Polworth taking the ball in midfield, just moving it, players moving left, right. And the, the first goal was the best example of that. The ball came all up, went from left to right. With Scott, who came across in front of the goal, gave it to Polworth, and then by that point, eventually found half a yard of space to... to swing a shot in which again was just a, a terrific finish there as well um, speaking of sort of homegrown local players doing very well as well Barry Maguire again dropped into that central midfield and looked like he'd played 100 games for us I thought it was a centre half as well he, is, he, he played centre half for Queen of the South last year he is nominally meant to be a centre half but having watched him it's a complete waste of play on there um, certainly at this point in his career he has more than enough legs to, to survive as a midfielder he's closer to uh, maybe closer to Alan Campbell than he is to David Turnbull but that's the role that he's asked to play there the sheer number of times he put St Mirren players on their arse by taking the ball past them and just drifting away it wasn't he wasn't running around the pitch he was gliding around the pitch and he just had that ability of just seeing a St Mirren player coming and taking that half step left or right or whatever it is it's coming from and just gliding right past them it was 
remarkably assured from him. He maybe gave the ball away a couple of times, but aside from that, for a guy that's kind of making his, his real sort of first team debut, and he's played a few games before, but not quite for the in quite the same sort of scenario. And I, I thought he was absolutely absolutely terrific throughout. Um, from a Smirin point of view, Hladke uh, for me is probably up there with the best goalkeepers in the league. Comfortably, he is so good. The way in which he makes absolutely everything look dead easy is testament to himself. His positioning is absolutely fantastic. Maybe caught out a little bit by Long's goal at the very end, but ultimately give a shit by that point. But he was very, very good again. Yeah, I mean, the the, the concern for St Mirren, I think, is they have stopped taking hidings and but they've just they haven't figured out how to score. Yeah. I mean they've got what three three goals all season. They look a lot more compact. They look a lot more structured. They don't look like they have a striker of any you know shape or form. And that's that's a big concern for being bottom. They don't look like the worst side in the league. No, no. but yeah. they could conceivably be yeah. cut adrift quite quickly because Mullen, Mullen gives you Mullen, Mullen always gives the impression that he might do something out of the ordinary because he, he did that a collection of times last season. The fact that he doesn't have any Dundee teams to play against this year might be his, his undoing in that respect. Yeah, he uh, scored a couple of vital goals last season which uh, helped keep them in the league. And in this game, he came closest for them as well. The, the, the shot that Gillespie tips over the bar. Yeah. yeah, they seem to have a few options and none of quite are up to scratch yet. But Mullins, one of, I think Mullins may be the only one who hasn't had a run in the team yet. And he probably deserves a run in the team because, like I said, towards the end of last season, he did play a part in keeping them in the league. Uh, Junior Marias, I know he didn't play in this game, but he seems like to be like a physical player, but not very effective as a target man. They've got Bika, who's kind of a wee bit similar uh, uh, to Mullen, and and in some ways he's a hard worker and and that kind of thing. But he hasn't looked like scoring. Actually, he came quite close to rescuing a point against Hibs, but other than that, I don't really remember him. Uh, he was through on goal against Hearts, maybe not quite through on goal, but um, he had a chance against Hearts that he put wide, and he, uh, yeah, he d- he doesn't look much of a goal threat. An yep. underrated moment, sorry, can I just say before we move, I'm guessing we're going to move on, but an underrated uh, moment of the James Scott goal, which was a fantastic strike that they're all kind of standing off him, is Alan Campbell's run uh, to the kind of some bit of left back area, drags Foley out of that yep. position, and you see you see after the after the goal goes in, um, uh, Broadfoot's gone to step out, and he's kind of like, where's the midfielder in front of me, and Flynn's got two, caught between two players, and I think the, the run from Campbell, he kind of arcs his run, uh, over to the left back area and drags Foley over there and that creates the gap. For, and that, that, that's for what it, as, as I was saying, that's what it was all day long. Just a case there was a lot of the game played up in the St. Mirren third of the pitch and it was just moving it left and right. And eventually, at some point or other, they were going to break because you, they're not good enough to do that for ninety minutes. They need to score a goal from somewhere. Um, second half, there was a period where Motherwell just kept giving the ball away, um, and I think Jorkaev kind of summed up St. Mirren on the day and it came on. Had a great chance to, to, to get a goal and equalise, and then subsequently, two minutes later, gave the ball away for long I to was score. Like, oh, there's Chokayev. I was like, we've not seen him since the, oh. the League Cup. And then five minutes later, I was like, and we won't be seeing him again. For <laughs> it's going to be a while. So, I, yeah, St. Mirren never looked particularly threatening, had chances, but never really looked like they were going to take many. Now, the team that does take his chances, moving on seamlessly, uh, as Rangers put five past Halterakis with uh, Jermaine Defoe sealing himself. An almost certain place in EA Sports Team of the Week. Uh, Barisic and Goldson, all with the goals. Um, how highly are we currently rating Borna Barisic? Yeah, he's really grown into the role. Um, it's been a position. It's been the, the the position that's given 
Gerard the most headaches over his time at Rangers, I think. Um, he started the season with three options there, none of which he seemed to be fully confident in. Um, I think Barisic, he intended to be his first choice there, but he never kind of lived up to, to, to his billing. Um, Halliday was has always been a stopgap in that position and Flanagan has been the kind of guy that he's put in there when he, he maybe needs a bit more physicality in certain uh, certain phases or parts of the game uh, or somebody who he sees as the most dependable out of the three even though he's kind of slightly shoehorned and yeah. on on his uh, his unnatural side I do, I do wonder whether Flanagan's performance in the old firm has kind of forced his hand in this respect and the number of times Rangers worked the ball really, really well, so the fullbacks can get forward. But every time Flanagan got forward, had to come back inside. Mm-hmm. At the same and time, Celtic knew that every time he had to come back inside, so it was like you didn't need to defend going down the line. Essentially, at the same time, Gerard—that was the only player that Gerard, Gerard uh, yeah, passed yeah. marks to in that game. He said they were he all was, crap. He, he was fine. Def- he was okay in the game, but didn't offer what he needed going forward, which is what Rangers need because so much of the width comes from the fullbacks. Um, I do. I did wonder that at the time whether it was a case of well, that's you found the limitations, you found how far you can go mm-hmm. with Flanagan. You now understand. Everyone understands that you don't need to defend the line because he's not going to go there. But um, Barisic isn't getting called up to the World Cup runners-up squad for yeah. nothing. I mean, he's, he's obviously, there's obviously a player in there. It's just taken him a while to yeah. get to to hit this form. Just just imagine. I mean, bearing in mind that his. Uh, teammate Eros Gerezda was meant to be the better of the two players yeah. just imagine how good Eros Gerezda is going to be and how much of the Albanian Messi uh, how, imagine how much he's going to be worth from that initial outlay that Rangers off was it like one and a half million pounds that they outlay on him imagine how much he's going to worth if when he makes that final step that Barisic does once he stops spitting on people <laughs> I think having the two the two naturally natural fullbacks lets them play some of the best footballers they've got. I mean, let Arfield play, let Davis play, let you know whether it's Kamara or Jack, who aren't necessarily gifted with huge amounts of pace, no. and uh, means that they can have you know the, the four up front taking chances. And, and and Greg Stewart, who I think everyone was kind of puzzled as to why. Uh, not I, I, hands not up, why hands he up. went, but what but what what he was going to bring. Well, he clearly, before it started. Not yeah. for, uh, there's a couple of times this podcast that today I'm going to have to, like, generally I need to hold my hands up at some point, but I'm definitely going to have to hold my hands up on that one. There will be more as well, but certainly <laughs> on that one, I've got. I I didn't think Stuart would contribute a huge amount to Rangers at all, and as you say, keeps doing more. And, and and if you have the pace coming from from the fullbacks, and you've got the he he was able to find angles like he's not a he's not a wide player he's not a number 9 he and he's only intermittently in his career found the the position that he needs only he seems to know where he plays <laughs> he sort of drops deep to make space uh, but he, he, in games like this he's got an awful lot more freedom to kind of do what he wants and see where where he fits in which is much more than and that's I did. that's exactly the signings that rangers in the end, kind of should be making in terms of you don't expect Greg Stewart to play in an old firm game and do the same thing because he's playing against much better players. You don't necessarily expect him to do it in Europe either because, again, you're playing it. But on a Sunday afternoon when you've got Hamilton Aki's at Ibrox and you need to rotate the squad, mm-hmm. when you need to give other players a rest, yeah, play and Greg Stewart. Also, uh, Gerard is, is four players um, in quite a few matches have been playing a bit more narrow this time. Uh, this season, sorry, and Stuart's kind of managed to fit into that. So rather than playing um, as a winger coming inside, he is kind of like 
tucking into like a kind of a more of a kind of ten role and that's and, and you saw that um, you saw him do that to devastating effect last week against Aberdeen and uh, putting Defoe through for the opening goal in this one and on Defoe I, I don't want to go into the whole Morelos Edward debate again but Rangers have two very hungry on-form forwards that they can comfortably rotate that and keep not cu- that keep cuddling each other as well. It's yeah. the cutest <laughs> thing in the world. And there's no um, you're you're comfortable with either of those starting uh, just about any of the games they play at the moment. I know that uh, Morelos tends to play the European matches, but in, in the domestic matches. Um, Rangers can afford to play whichever one Gerard thinks is is going to uh, be best for them that day. Celtic don't have that backup at the moment. They've got a they've got a an excellent forward, um, but they, they they barely have anything in reserve. But these are exactly on those those lines again as well. It's exactly the sort of games where you can drop Edmondson into the team. You can drop Greg Short into the team. You can bring back Jamie Murphy into the team. Guys who may or may not have a, a huge role to play for the rest of the season, but they're the games where it means that you can give somebody else a day off and say, I mean, this is even more relevant when we come on to the Celtic game after this mm. as well. There is much more of a, a squad rotation and much more of a, I don't know if it's a trust in the players and just, or just a, an acknowledgement that we are better than Hamilton Ackies. With Defoe up front, we are going to score goals against the six centre-halves that Hamilton Ackies put out today. Um, and... <laughs> You're looking at in terms of the last three games, Rangers have an aggregate score of fourteen to nil. Yeah, last time they did that um, was against Stranraer, Airdrie, and East Fife. <laughs> Excellent, more stern competition. Excellent, time. very good. And again, every 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 statistic of this game is just so heavily weighted toward, towards Rangers in that respect. Aki's as he, it was, I think it was yourself Craig in the group chat just before the game like, how many centre halves can you name in that Aki's lineup? <laughs> actually Fowler I can't Fowler, them, the thing is Gogic I don't know whether he's trying to say that Gogic is one as well Gogic has played centre midfield all season I actually think that might be his natural position I just think he filled in it centre half for a while when he uh, when he first arrived but yeah there was four centre halves and a left back yeah because uh, I didn't know who was playing right back when I saw the lineup, and turns out it was McKenna uh but yeah, it was a very defensive uh, shape. But when you line up like that and you concede within the first seven minutes, yeah, seven exactly. Minutes, yeah. Then the, the game's only going one way, really, isn't it? Yeah, as Defoe looked every bit the player that some people predicted, and not the player that I predicted. So yeah, good. Well, <laughs> well done, me. Um, speaking of squad rotation, um, ins and outs of it, uh, Livingston 2, Celtic 0. Uh, we also welcome aboard my Lyndon Dykes rollback extravaganza as I talk <laughs> at length about how great Lyndon Dykes is. Should be in the Scotland squad, mate. <laughs> I do actually, and I say, look back and I go, I really wish we'd signed Lyndon Dykes, although I welcome him mother well for season 21 22. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> There's very few players I've seen that look more like a Stephen Robinson player than Lyndon Dykes. Um, he was absolutely tremendous over the over the course of the game, over the 84 minutes he played, which gave us, again, perfect from Gary Holt because it gave me a, a, a wee flutter as we got to see Lee Miller come onto the pitch. Um, <laughs> but he absolutely broke uh, Christopher Julian. 
True skill. Yeah. And also, all credit for trolling all the fans are like, you can't play on that pitch by doing like a double knee slide when you <laughs> scored. <laughs> Suggesting it was dangerous. I'll show you dangerous. <laughs> no, anyway, um, he was, I'll show you dangerous. Loving <laughs> He'll be out next week. Um, but yeah, Livy were not in great form coming into it. I think they've lost four in a row um, and had never beaten Celtic. But they they played well against them over the last couple of years. You know they, they've caused them problems. Um, and Gary a couple of draws and a, and a fairly narrow loss against Lennon. I'm sure. That's mm, a his fourth game against yeah. Lennon and hasn't lost against them or something along those lines. Yeah. Like, even though they're not winning games, it's not been Levy been playing badly. The yeah. Aberdeen game where they couldn't score, the Rangers game where they played well, yeah. the Rangers game Ibrox where they took the lead. Yeah, and and they've they they did everything that you you should do again you're meant to do, but it, it's so hard to do in, in practice. You know they they chased things down, they hunted in packs, they they were throwing bodies on the line. I mean there was a, there were points. Like at two nil up when there were seven men in the box and there's two men throwing themselves at the ball mm-hmm. and the ball like the ball's cannoning off someone's thigh and going thirty yards clear. It was that it was that one when Steve Lawson had been on the pitch for about twenty five seconds <laughs> and just he saw the ball break at the edge of the box. Like, I'm getting there. I'm yeah. getting there as fast as I can and putting my body right there. Unbelievable. Yeah, they were excellent. Um, as good as they were, Celtic were pretty. Terrible. I mean, I don't think we're taking anything away from from Livingston. We'll come back on to sing their praises a little bit further. But I think having spoken about the the rotation that Rangers can offer, Celtic only made one change. I think from the from the team um, that played Cluj earlier in the week, and they looked a lot more. They looked jaded. They looked tired. The tackle, the Ryan Christie's tackle was was horrendous and lazy and all the things that it shouldn't have been. Um, but they even down down to ten men. You've got to go back like five and a half years for the last time Celtic lost when they'd lost a man. Yeah, they you know they're still dangerous and and credit to Livingston who made them play like a ten man team. You know, made, like, exploited the space, made sure that when there was a chance to run down the clock, they ran down the clock. Made sure that they ran the ball well and and put an awful lot of pressure on a backline that looked awfully shaky and incredibly naive. Chris Iyer seems. It's been something which been, I've watched more and more this season. Kind of in the last season, more this season. I really like Iyer. I think he's a fantastic player, but he seems to have taken on the role of chief finger pointer and finger waver, <laughs> as opposed to just getting. I realise it sounds absolutely like your dad, but just getting on with it and just being a centre half seems to want to be involved in everything. Seems to want to be up. And I get that again from a Celtic point of view. If you're winning games, that's great. You love them, and it's great. And that, that's that's the mentality you want within the team. But when you're two down with five minutes, why are you getting involved? Mm. Get in the box. Get the bo- yeah, Dykes had them riled. Uh, and not just Dykes, Livingston. Livingston turned the game into a shit fest. Uh, and not because Livingston can't play any football. I don't mean yeah. it to sound like that, but because if they, that's, that was clearly their tactic to mm. bring get Celtic down, to come down to their level and to be better at them yeah. they, sorry than them at it and they did and they were aided by the, the red card because um, Ryan Christie as you saw in the game on Thursday night he was Celtic's most effective player when they didn't have the ball and they lost a lot in the midfield when he when he was went he, off he's been responsible for is it a third of Celtic's goals 30% of their goals yeah. or something like that yeah so there's that element to it as well but yeah they, they, they brought Celtic they, they made the game a shit fest and they're very good 
when it comes to that. But they also have quality in the last third of the pitch. Uh, and their game, even though they do it slightly differently than uh, this season than they did last season, their game is about getting the ball into the right areas and then playing football in the right areas. And they did that again. And the the, the first goal was excellent. Um, Robbie Crawford shouldn't be left in that amount no. of space. It goes that that pass goes through into my top five most shaggable passes pass. of the year. <laughs> That's brilliant. And Scott Robinson's not. Um, that much of a goal threat really he's a but he, he almost gets a chance to stop and go that's it <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's funny oh, okay cool, cool I instinctively because he was in so much space just assumed he was off yeah because how can he possibly be in that much space but again that's like you say it's, it's shit festing it but again it's being brave with it as well it's dead easy it's like, so, like, as St Millen in the Motherwell game tried to stop Motherwell playing and sat back the opposite of that is pushing teams back in as well on the other side as well and having that many players that high up the park so that Robinson can make that run and Bauer can't go because he's got somebody wide left. Ayer and Julian can't go. Bowling Gully's got somebody else. Nobody can, nobody can track the run because everyone has someone to cover. And that's that's the bravery of it as well in terms of Livingston just getting that many bodies that far forward. They, they did that really, really well and I think, it, and they varied it as well. I think that the difference between like the you know the forward players were dropping into midfield and the Celtic defence were try, had tried to play quite a high line especially when when Christie got sent off but then were were being pushed back and they weren't quite sure where they were meant to sit because like you know the first goal there's a massive hole in the midfield and and um, there's a, a, a huge amount of time for for Crawford to pick his pass but even the second goal that when they decide they're they're pretty much you know, they're, they're three yards off the halfway line yeah. and they're like, are we going to hold this up? And incredibly naive, but but when you don't know where you're being pulled because of, because Livingston are moving forward in numbers and, you know, they can't play the same high line because of their, their man down in midfield, it meant there's this massive great big gap so you could send a ball in over the top and there's 40 yards to put yeah. that, that ball into. Um and that was testament to the way Livy played because they just didn't. Celtic just did not know where their just, line they, was. They were absolutely like Julian is. Julian is the best example of how much Livingston broke Celtic. Yeah, because yeah. he had, he was gone. He he had absolutely lost it come the end of the game. I mean, Livingston but, were being absolute and, shits by the way. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, like um, who was it? Do. Who was it that kind of gave him a little bit of a choke when he was on the ground? And oh, Lammy. But again, he, there he were doing stuff that wasn't like. There was nothing. I mean, Jacobs is borderline. I mean, he couldn't have yeah. argued if he'd been red carded. But other than that, they weren't doing anything that would have got them sent off. They were just kind of being sneaky and snidey. And again, that was again because Julian because Julian had lost it and was throwing himself at people. Mm. Lamy decided, "I'm not having that. Yeah. I'm not having that." So again, grabbed him by the shirt, gave him a lot of shake, and then after that, it's just completely. Yeah. Even Lennon um, spoke about. Julian's mentality after the game like saying he didn't use the word lost it, but I think he said immature or something like that rather than pointing the finger he spent 7 million the, pounds on him yeah. Yeah, rather than pointing the finger at the people winding him up he was he was pointing the finger at him for getting wound up but I imagine there's an awful lot of people who at one point or other over the last 10 years have had a Scott Brown and El Hadjouf avatar who are raging <laughs> at the actions of cynical Livingston yeah, yeah. taking the piss out of them you know Again, um, my, 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 the thing that I understand, I mean, Livingston, as you say, are absolutely terrific. The one that absolutely blows my mind is Jack McMillan, who's played, who's certainly right-footed, yes. playing at left-back, was absolutely fine for Motherwell. Never really looked like he was going to be a, a top-flight player. His performance was terrific throughout the game as well, but come on, just the last thing on Celtic really is, 
So my question is on it as a case of like, where's Scott Sinclair? Why is and why are in Cham and Hayes playing fifteen minutes? Like this, none of that makes any sense. As Tom said, there's one change from the, from yeah, the close team. Yeah, talking about the and we've spoke about this quite a lot recently about the likes of McGregor not getting a rest, and you can put in Cham in there, and, and Tierney said that just recently as well. Then yeah, he's been running to the ground, and you're just you're not getting you're not you're not really losing anything. I mean, you might be gaining something at this point because yeah. I put McGregor down as my prediction for player of the year and he's nowhere near it at the yeah. moment. Again, and, and in Cham, again, on a... And I think that's to do with him being... Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, Carl, but I think that's to do, nothing to do with his ability and it's more to do with the fact that he's not had a rest. It's well documented how many games he played last yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I don't want to go over old ground because we've we've kind of spoken about this in the pod a wee bit recently, but that I think that, again, that was another example of that where just give him a rest, give the boy a rest. Yeah, and, and to me, and this is the perfect op- This is one of the perfect games for Encham and he is more patient with the ball and in a game like this, when Livingston are going to be on top of you, Livingston are going to be chasing you down, hunting you down, having someone with his technical ability, his patience and his passing surely makes more sense in midfield. Even just taking the element of the knackered Celtic players out of the equation altogether, he seems like a better fit for this game. It's a case of if you're going to have Jacobs, uh, Bartley and uh, Crawford chasing you down in midfield, then maybe in champ picking passes in there is, is, is a smarter move rather than trying to go toe-to-toe going toe-to-toe with a team who want to outrun you. And for Celtic, I mean, they're for for Celtic and what they want to achieve and, and them as a club. Everything. They, uh, yeah. Everything. They're, in any given season, they're going to play 60-odd games. In any given season. So, like, up with all the European elites with in terms of the number of games they're going to play over the course of the season. Because there is not, there's an expectation you're not going to rest players for the League Cup. You're not going to rest players for anything. You've got to win absolutely every single game. So, if you're not rotating... From the Clues game, which was arguably their best performance of the season, I think they're certainly they looked yeah. solid, and all the players they brought in for the first time, it was like, right, now I know what you're all here for and what you're all doing. To four days later to be playing that kind of Livingston team, in you know, I I have no problem with the surface, but the surface is a is an X factor, and you may have to rotate your squad for that, and there is pressure to win every single game. You need to rotate the, the squad an awful lot more than he did. Just a final thing on Livingston as well. Um, is Hibbs releasing Marvin Bartley the daftest thing Hibbs have done in a while? <laughs> it looks worse than every passing week. It's mental. It was, it was the point for him and Brown were down in the corner and Bartley just kind of shrugged them off and then ran into the box like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I mean, are we going on to Hibbs Aberdeen next? Because we can go on to Hibbs Aberdeen next year. I was going to bring year. this up anyway. Is, was this the most lightweight midfield battle in the history of the Scottish Premiership must be up there must be up there I mean the, yeah the <laughs> average, average height is about 5 foot 7 Aberdeen's is uh, enforced we have to say yeah but Campbell and Ferguson it's it's needs must at the moment it's about all they have uh, and I don't know what they're going to do for the next game if they don't get Ojo <laughs> or Bryson or somebody back because uh, Bryson might be back Ojo is not going to be back just play Campbell yeah, on his own in the centre of midfield <laughs> Who are Aberdeen playing next? Celtic. Was that right? Yeah. No, I, thought it, I thought it was us. That's a blow. It is us. You come with Ford Park next. Oh, not well. <laughs> we don't need a midfield. I'm sure. Four up front. Motherwell haven't been performing that well in midfield this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that'll be fine. I'm sure that'll be fine. absolutely fine. So, yeah, as Craig says, we'll move on to Aberdeen Hibs with Aberdeen 1, Hibs 1, 9 man Don's grind out result. 
a movable force I versus call nine men. There were nine men for about twenty seconds. A, a movable. I can call them anything I like. <laughs> a movable force versus a resistible object <laughs> is what I've put as the, for this. Um, was that? Are you talking about Dodge being through on Lewis? Just the, the pair of them. You know, the pair of both teams. There was a, a, at one nil down, and I say this with no pride whatsoever. At one nil down and a man down. There was always a feeling that Hibbs would give us a chance, <laughs> even though Deutsch had got like had four one on ones. And Hibbs have a terrible record against Aberdeen. A really they terrible do, record. but largely because of Gary McKay Stephen, who seemed to score. I think he scored eight times or something like that against Hibs uh, against. Hibs. Haven't won at Pataudry since Sean O'Hanlon scored. That tells you how right. long ago that was. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not. They don't. Wouldn't normally be given. Like four one-on-one opportunities, <laughs> and and actually, like McKenna and Constantine had had a good game, and he still managed to get. And you know, I think there's some credit where it's due. Joe Lewis made at least yeah, one of them was, was a really looked, really good save. Terrific. But there's, I think it's the third one where he uh, Dodge takes four touches <laughs> and tries to put on his right foot, and then the the final one where like Scott Allen's screaming that, in that, infinite amounts of space. Not even like, just Scott Allen. <sighs> you can see Allen. Uh, Stevie Mallon and somebody else just coming into frame, all of them screaming at Dodge. Just, just don't, just fucking don't. Yeah, well, you, so he did exactly the same thing as he did for the previous chance. That he did it. It was almost exactly almost the same. all of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there was two, two in that goal where he kind of was one on one with Lewis, and one of them he's um, he's got this. He can square it for a tap, and the other one he's just one on one, and he has to. But both of them, he gets on his right, and he just smacks it right at Lewis. Yeah, just a uh, and just a, a, a. It was almost like a summary of what the two teams have been like this season. Hibs missing a bunch of chances in the game; they should have been absolutely out of sight. And and anyone else in the league, I would have put money on them winning that three nil. But there was just this feeling that there would be a chance, and even though. Like Aberdeen improved immeasurably when Curtis Main got sent off, which <laughs> might be the might be the end of him. Um, it's definitely not. Uh, the fr- like the frustration with Curtis Main has not been that they they signed him because I could kind of see what the theory was if they were going to put all their eggs in a Cosgrove shaped basket. But Bruce Anderson's been brilliant in the under twenty ones. Conor McLennan been brilliant for the Scotland under 21s admittedly a different position but they, they're not getting minutes and he decides to play two very similar theoretical theoretically at least players up top when also playing you know Ethan Ross had had a good game but wasn't necessarily playing as like a traditional winger and it was just, it was just very disjointed but I think you could say that for both teams neither one looks like they have they really know what they're doing or what their identity is at the moment. Bruce Anderson's also looked pretty good in the flashes he's had in the first team and he looked not bad in a fairly poor Dunfermline team last Scored season. Scored as well. many top flight goals as Curtis Main has in the last two seasons. There you go. <laughs> in about four games. Yeah, something like that. I mean, and he scored significantly more if you include the ones he had when he was on loan at Dunfermline and can't remember where else he went out on loan. But yeah, like, and he's now 21 and looks like he might be a better partner all around, but both teams, I just think there's a there's a lack of identity there. Um, is Sam Cosgrove's goal the most comprehensive pinning of a defender that you'll ever see in your life? <laughs> it's a very Sam Cosgrove goal. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's stapled him to the ground. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's 
veering off Scottish football for a bit, um, Adi Akinfenwa uh-huh. plays for uh-huh. Wickham. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like uh-huh. the strongest player Beast in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's still playing. He's still playing for Wickham, uh, who are like second or third in League One and have had a great start to the season. And there was a great interview with him a couple of years ago where he's like five eight and he can't jump. And they're saying, how how do you win the ball off it? And he grabbed the guy who was interviewing him by, by the bottom of the shirt and was like, get off the ground. <laughs> and the guy's like trying to move. And it was like one of those magic tricks, like Vegas magic tricks, where it was like, you will not, you'll be able to lift the box. Now you can't lift the box. And it just pinned it. And that was pretty much it. Why, yeah, why get the, just lose, use him as a jumping off point. That's pretty much what he does. And also, Sam Cosgrove now has one less goal for Aberdeen than Charlie Nicholas in 42 fewer games. Wow. <laughs> does he celebrate properly though? Well, not as Charlie did. Not as Charlie did. Um, does, is there any argument against either red card in this game? Nah, not really. I think um, the main one's a wee bit harsh, but I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it looks, at full speed, it looks worse than the actual impact was. I think still sending off though, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to argue it. Uh, I, mean, I know Tom's not going to argue because he just wants I'd to tell us he's won I'm, not, I'm quite happy with this, this. If, if it was my team I'd be a little bit annoyed but I can't like, it's not one that I would like, vehemently defend I thought the second one definitely was uh, the Malin one was difficult to see because it's, it's difficult to see how much contact he actually makes even though he does go in with the stud showing and the Cosgrove one that's got to be a second book in surely it was weird though because it was not it was not an angry game by any stretch it was like two <laughs> And you know, for me, there's three red cards at least in that game. But you know, twenty-two absolute paps on the field. It some three, like it, yeah. three potential red cards. Uh, from one draw to another draw, uh, we'll head for the Highlands as Ross County defeated or drew the St Johnston two each, uh, and St Johnston's wait for a league win goes on. They've now scored three of their last ten penalties. That's not a great. It was, however, Stevie record. May's first goal from open play since August 2018. And what a goal yeah. it was! Yep. Yeah, another excellent pass, another uh, very good through ball this weekend. Danny Swanson, yeah, um, didn't do a ton in this match, but um, yeah, provided an excellent assist for me. And it was a very good run from me as well. Fontaine sleeping and ball watching. And probably shouldn't get beaten there, but um, I don't want to take anything away from the goal, especially when his confidence is already quite low, and he gets a penalty and the chance to break his duct at St Johnston, and he fluffs it, and it's a very poor penalty. We were talking about Osman So's one on the yeah. podcast recently. This one was just as poor. Um, it was like all things conspired to it. Was like Stevie May is going to take the penalty for a team that at that point have scored three from nine. And Adelaide Law saved one last week as well and it's been pretty decent and it was like, eh, and that's what he, he didn't score from open play against Aberdeen, but sorry, for Aberdeen, but he would score his penalties yeah. for Aberdeen. And what what was I mean the his his goal slightly jumping ahead of the chronology of the game, but um, um his, the thing he he seemed to lack was instinct. He was overthinking everything and he was he was playing a pass when he should shoot and he was just putting his foot through it when he should have a, a bit more of a calm head everything that he, he just did the opposite of what he actually did would have ended up with you know a number of more goals and and it looked like an instinctive finish it looked like he, he knew exactly where the ball was going to be and you know all, all power to him he looked a bit more confident why did he have a plastic hand? <laughs> <laughs> don't know he's like replaced from the shoulder down this is like yeah. he must have got a new tattoo on his hand or something oh, some and that was some sort of glove to protect it it Cover does look thing. a bit like his 
five hours Darth Vader. <laughs> Which is entirely possible. I, I don't really know an awful lot about Perth, but that seems the sort of place that Darth Vader would hang out. Um, speaking of finishes, is was Joe Chalmers' finish the most casual finish of all time? I put it down that it was polite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like sometimes they're like, "I'm going to put my foot through this yeah. ball and it's going to die." Yeah, and it was just like, "Ooh, no, I'm just going to place it right there where absolutely no one can get it." A lovely, kiss. a lovely, lovely finish from from Super Joe. Um, I was also quite disappointed to see Danny Swanson and Ricky Foster just play football. <laughs> Although <laughs> Foster was getting a tight from the and his wife, and was getting, getting yeah. a tight from the uh, the St Johnston fans. Um, St Johnston actually started this game fairly well uh, on the front foot. County weren't very good in this game overall. I think they were. I wouldn't say lucky to get a point, but I think they'd be happy with a point given the way uh, the game went. But St Johnson, like I say, they kind of started the brighter team. And then the first time County attacked, pretty much, they scored. And you saw the defensive frailties there. Now, um, Tommy Wright got a lot of praise for lowering the age of the squad last season, which was it was needed. There was a lot of experienced campaigners that needed moved on, that kind of thing. Similar to the kind of thing that Motherwell did yep. uh, not that long ago. Um, but it seems like he's gone a bit too far in defence. Um, Jason Kerr seems to be going backwards. He doesn't have... Uh, uh, an experienced head alongside him. He's now the experienced head in the defence, whether it's Gordon he's playing alongside or uh, Duffy in this game. Um, Ralston just looks terrible. He just doesn't look good at all. I saw someone on Twitter a couple of months ago make the claim that Ralston would be at the same level that Stephen O'Donnell is at the moment if he would like played the same amount of games as I did. And it's like, no, no, he's just I not don't, I don't very think, good football player. Like I said last week, I don't think Ralston's bothered. I think there's a few times in the, the Motherwell game he looked like he was just... Shrug. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, he I didn't know. look good in this might, game. It might be unkind on him, but there's a few times yet that was my, my certainly my impression of him. Uh, yeah, like I say, Kerr, and the distribution from the the, the defence has been pretty poor. Uh, Tanzer is pretty decent at driving forward every now and again, but other than that, um, I mean, Kerr was the biggest culprit for giving the ball away and things like that. But there is hope for St Johnston because they do have an attacking threat and especially if this is the start of something for me and I'm not talking necessarily about 20 goals but even if you can get close to double figures or something along those lines they've got others that can share the burden with them Dre Wright coming back Kennedy who scored I mean I know it's it's one of those goals I mean it's it's from far out it's a decent strike and it's the bounce that kind of beats the goalkeeper yeah. the goalkeeper's probably got to do better but still he's going to score goals uh, there's other attacking talent in that team it's just yeah, the defence. And they brought in this V-man as well. Hmm. And Wright just doesn't seem to fancy him at all. He yeah. had... Was, he it, see, was he, it Celtic Park? Where he had yeah. an absolute nightmare. He's, he, and he's just not been seen since. Wright had spoken when he signed him that he'd seen him playing in the, against Northern Ireland. Was it? For Estonia, I think it was. He's Estonian, definitely. Uh, yeah, he was, he, he'd, sure. he'd seen him play internationally and really fancied him. And like I said, I'd never seen anything for him. Just in terms of experience and things like that. Uh, as you say, St Johnston probably kind of on top in the game but looking at like Gardine uh, Brian Graham uh, Ricky Foster even it's just a little bit Fontaine just that little bit more sort of experience level of character mm-hmm. within Ross County and you saw Draper come, in the, yeah. come on with sort of 20 minutes to go as well which I think could be I think we said this a few times I think it could be huge for Ross County as well because it means that they can have a, they don't really have a, a natural holding midfielder in there. They put, they've tried Gravosti there. Yeah, Gravosti played centre half quite a bit last season, and yeah. I, I don't know whether he is a centre half 
or whether he's just filling in with injury yeah. or whether he's actually a defensive midfielder or whether he's filling in there I'm not sure what his actual natural yeah. position is but you're right having they, they, Draper they, they tried a few bodies in there so having Draper plus any like to be honest I do like all, pretty much all of Ross County's midfielders I they just need somebody else in I there I wasn't convinced them. in this game of Spittle and Chalmers together they've scored the two goals yeah. uh, that sounds a bit <laughs> weird to say but um, I thought a couple of weeks ago against Motherwell, Henderson and Peyton, Peyton. Both looked, Peyton's looked really good. They both looked tidy and decent defensively, but without much drive or penetration. And I think you get more of that from Spittle and Chalmers. So I don't know, maybe one from one. one see, from that that seems other. like the logical yeah. thing, but every time I look at Ross, it's not that easy. Football management's no, not that easy. Every time I look at it, it's a case of well, it's Spittle or Chalmers or what. And, or it's, it's, it's Chalmers and Vigers or it's Henderson and Peyton like what? surely this is a mix and match scenario like, what's, what's going on here? And what, what a goal from Spittle by the way to rescue the point him, and he's got that in him that's not a one off he's done that a few times Absolutely. in his career just one, one other thing St Johnston um, I had a look at uh, Alistair McCann who looks like a very nice player he, he was what, very good again Yeah, yeah. I know it sounds a very easy thing to say but he looks like a footballer He's one of the, every time he takes the ball and moves in the ball he looks a very natural process for him as well. He looked really good. And he cemented Billy Mackay as well, which is very I was good. Say, <laughs> probably, there was, he probably fouled Sunday in the build-up to... It's Billy uh, Mackay absolutely uh, cemented him in the build-up to St Johnston's goal. Uh, and that leaves us with uh, Hearts nil, Kilmarnock 1. And that's just to stay quiet here. No, no, you carry on. I just want to apologise for Kelly fans for putting you last. It's not your fault, it's Hearts' fault. Um, <laughs> that's fair. That's and Hearts, totally Hearts are properly tested. So I have this logic that if you have good kits, you're good at football. And Hearts are really, really testing that. Really, really testing that logic of if you have a good kit. All three of Hearts' kits are beautiful. They are rubbish. Uh, yeah. Hearts, are, <laughs> Hearts are everything that... Hearts, or sorry, Kelly are everything that Hearts are not at the moment. We were watching a chunk of the game beforehand and watching the highlights and things like that. The, the Kelly back line are so comfortable in the ball, so confident in the ball. Uh, Del, Del Fabro's spraying yeah. long diagonals. Del, Fa- Del Fabro's spraying like sixty-yard diags to, st- to his fullback <laughs> Stephen O'Donnell appearing in the right wing. Everything watching, watching, uh, watching that game. Del Fabro and Finlay do not waste a ball. Whether it's a shot pass into midfield and then taking it back to the three heart centre backs, but they just <laughs> pass it along the fucking defensive line. <laughs> it's like that. Def- like, there's a, that uh, sort of what's it like a, a midfield drill where you tie your midfielders together. It's essentially <laughs> what Hearts backline are doing. But the, the, the killing defenders, Hamelinen and uh, O'Donnell are getting right up the wings to in order to provide that width with one of Kelly's 400 holding midfielders dropping it to cover that space as well and giving the protection. But all, at all times, Finley's moving the ball, Del Fabro's moving the ball, they're moving it directly to people. Whether it's a long ball, a short ball, sideways, it always has a movement forward. It's always keeping the ball. Never waste a pass. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side, you have, as you say, Dickamona, Smith and Berra, where teams now know press on Dickamona and Smith, Make them give it the ball to better because he'll just lump it fucking anywhere, and it's. It, or I give, do turn him give it back to the keeper. I, yeah, I do feel sympathy for Hearts fans because it must be miserable. It must be absolutely miserable. Yeah, although you, I'm a bit numb to it at the moment. <laughs> that seems to be the reports from Tynecastle at the weekend. Seem to be that uh, it's there's not as much booing going on as there was as, uh, after, say, the Motherwell game. It's just people have got to the point where they're just apathetic rather than angry. And uh, yeah, 
I, I think um, to add to what you've said, basically, Kamarnock look very well drilled in showing for each other and creating triangles and getting the ball at the pitch. Um, if there's one difference between, or the main difference I can see between Clark's team last season and this team is that he wants to have the fullbacks pushed forward a lot more. And like you say, um, I, I think it's usually Dicker who's the guy who's dropping in and um, and uh, they're, they're compensating for that. Hearts played a back three against Hibs and looked better after switching to a back four and went on to win the game. And then <laughs> last week we went back to a back three and we played two fullbacks in that back three and we played wingers at wing back and we drew 0-0 with St Mirren who can't score a goal and then and who are one of the few teams that are below us and then we persist with this back three against Kilmarnock against a lone striker we know that Kilmarnock are going to play a lone striker they've, they've done it they've only got one fit they've striker only got one. <laughs> and they've done, they've done it all season so far um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in and of itself but when you watch the game the three of them just stay in a line and none of them step out. I mean, even when you play against a two-striker system and you play a back three, you usually see one of the back three stepping at the midfield with a ball, playing a one-two with a midfielder or something like that. There was none of that whatsoever. And then when you've got Whelan dropping back as well, it's just, there was no wonder there was nobody to pass forward to because they were all behind the fucking ball when we had it. And again, in, in Scotland over the past few years, you've seen great examples of teams utilising a back three prop. Motherwell in the midst of the Thunderdome had Kipri who would step out yep. or Aldred could step out even Hanlon's done it for Hibs in the Hanlon past Hanlon would do it for Hibs Benedictus in the past Benedictus does it for Wraith now for fuck's sake <laughs> or all, 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 alternatively as well you see Levy last year as well who played with a back three and they shifted it left and right in order to create overloads on either side of the pitch and Hearts just have looked at all these things and gone no what we will do is do a back three which is completely static and in a line at all times and Jake Mulraney is not a wing-back because he's terrible defensively. He's barely even a winger. And we play him at wing-back. And like I pointed out in the group chat as well the other day, this isn't the first time that he's been caught out not defending the back post. It's happened quite a number of times. I think this is just the first time it's ended in a goal. And even if you go all the way back to what I think was his debut against Wraith and Methil in the League Cup, um, Wraith do take the lead in that game. But there's a point earlier in the game where the should have taken the lead I can't remember who it is but somebody comes in at the back post and is unmarked because Mulraney's just not defending it properly so why we think Mulraney is going to um, uh, is good for that position I have no idea and the thing is you've got a right back playing in central defence so you've got a decent right back I mean Smith would walk in most of the teams in this division play right and be comfortable at right back um, we've got Hickey who's shown that he's pretty good at left back Yet we're playing one of the, the the left back over on the right, and we're playing the right back in the centre of defence. It's just it's absolutely mad. And then we've got a striker, two strikers on the bench. One, I agree, can't sort of can't play every game, and he's played quite a lot of football recently with his age. Fair enough. But the Keenan's um, on the bench, and instead you play two midfielders up front. And he says that he says Levine says that Keener's untried and untested at this level. Well, so was Machino, mm. so was Hickey, and Hickey's been doing okay. I, I just it's just galling. It's galling. And I was talking about being numb and apathetic, but I've just contradicted myself <laughs> there. I think <laughs> the difficulty from the you know obviously from the outside looking in is that Levine keeps saying that he knows how to fix it. 
and um, you well, know it's not just that, but but in knowing how to fix it, you'd have to show that either the thing that worked the week before you're going to replicate that, or the thing that didn't work the week before you're going to fix that, and it seems to be a, a, a new tweak to things personnel the way that the people are being utilized switching between you know switching around the defense every single time which seems like desperation rather than a calculated plan, plan for this and it's getting slightly more it may be more apathetic on the um on the terraces but the last few weeks it's been you know this the the post-match to, uh, on at the weekend was we had the majority of the play and the best chances the game against Motherwell Motherwell didn't have to be that good to score against Celtic I'm more frustrated than we've ever been because I thought we should have got something from the game and we restricted them against Aberdeen we deserved all three points these are all games that they lost and they were lost in large part down to like naivety mm-hmm. um, best chances in the Kamarnik game by the way he's talking about are uh fell to defenders and a yeah. defensive midfielder set pieces so it's not like we're creating things from open play and missing guilt edge chances you're talking about Di Camona and nosebleed territory at the back post you should still score that I'm not trying to defend them they should score the goals definitely and Whelan puts one over the bar in the first half that he should yeah. uh, put on target but that's what I'm saying Our best. he's talking about best chances but it's not as if these are falling to attackers or anything Anyway, we've kind of already gone over time. We should wrap it up soon, and we should apologise again to Kilmarnock fans and promise that give them some very brief love. Please do give them some very brief love. I was going to say that if had had Alessio not had the European start, everyone would be thinking actually this guy's done exactly what he was brought in to do because he has as a tactician, as a sort of thinking man's manager, and all the things that he was billed as. You can start to see that coming through. Um, all now, that working uh, on shape is paying off. Exactly. Um, I thought Miller looked great. Burke was a menace. Um, Chris Burke has now scored against ten of the twelve current top flight. There, um, he's got nineteen top flight goals in total against fifteen different teams. So he only needs a goal. I think. I can't remember who the other two. The, there's two teams he needs to score against to have the full set. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys, for coming along. Uh, we are off to record the Patreon, which is a Knowing Terrace pod- podcast, knowing you. So you've asked us some questions, and we will do our best to not tell lies and answer them honestly. You can subscribe <laughs> to that at uh, patreon.com slash terracepodcast from as little as $2 a month. Uh, the guys will be back on, I think, Friday post-Scotland game with a show. Uh, there's going to be more Patreon content this week as well. I think guys are recording on Thursday. The TV show inspired by this podcast will again be on BBC Scotland. I think God knows what time. Ten, maybe ten twenty-three this time. Ten something. Ten something. Check your TV guides or your radio times. Uh, That'll be available on Friday night or for the week after on the iPlayer, as this week's episode will be as well. Thank you very much, Craig. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you very much, Graham. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.